Welcome to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, grow their authority, and help them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Jen Amos. And today I have with me the CEO of Maxi Dent Software, Alex Zladin, who helps struggling dental professionals take control of their practices and reach the next level of success with responsible leadership strategies. He is also the proud author of the book, Responsible Dental Ownership, and founder of the Dental Office Managers Association in Canada. You can learn more about him and all the wonderful things that he's doing on his website, Alex Zladin. That is spelled A-L-E-X-Z-L-A-T-I-N.com. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jen. It's a pleasure. Yeah, I'm really happy to have you here today. Uh, considering how 2020 has been quite an inter- interesting year, I thought I'd check in with you and see how you're doing with the new normal. Yeah, you know, in, in our business, it's it's kind of tricky. Uh, there was a complete lockdown for all dental clinics uh, here in Canada, similar to how it has been in the States yeah. uh, and across the world. Uh, in Canada right now, clinics are open. Uh, we're kind of uh, trying to figure out what's going to happen with the second wave with mm-hmm. more and more cases uh, across the provinces here and also the influenza uh, season just oh, around wow. the corner. Trying to figure out, is there going to be a second lockdown? Is it going to be the same as the first one? Uh, a lot of struggling business owners in the dental industry, especially mm-hmm. new owners, the ones that built new clinics that were extremely stunning, taking a lot of debt yeah. and trying to trying to keep up with the debt and understand how to pay the bills um, when revenue is not coming. But I think uh, we're in a better state than we were uh, in April, May uh, currently. So. I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic. And, there you go. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I'm curious because uh, I know in the States, it's it's mandatory for all of us to wear a mask when we go out in public. And so I imagine that is a challenge for the dental industry right now, considering it's like you're not supposed to like show your mouth. So, you know, in the meantime, what what does it look like? Let's say if a, if a you know, a client is to walk into a dental office, what is what is the typical procedure nowadays? So Canada has actually been uh, governed a little bit differently in each province, similar to different states in in the U.S. Um, Now, depending on the amount of new cases in in each province, they've taken different approaches, some a little bit stricter, others uh, a little bit uh, looser policies. But the reality remains is that uh, they've been mandated to equip themselves with extreme level of uh, personal protective equipment. Uh, They're now utilizing um, specialized uh, HVAC uh, systems to circulate Mm -hmm. air faster, similar to how uh, the airline industry has been doing, including the use of some uh, uh, ultraviolet, uh, specifically UVC technologies, Mm -hmm. trying to incorporate them. Otherwise, they're gonna have to pretty much allow 
two to three hours between patients, and that's not sustainable as a business. So they're looking at technologies, investing even more in this uncertain time in technology, a lot of money to make sure that they're able to keep maintaining the flow of patients to keep the business going. Because let's face it, you know, patients, which is everyone that has teeth, needs dental treatment especially preventative is very important mm-hmm. and with the rise in um in stress because of loss of work and because of the uncertain times uh there are more cases of people uh, grinding teeth and other conditions that are left untreated yeah so there's even a more of a need for dental treatment right now and the dental industry is taking a lot of precautions uh, to make sure that there are no cases of uh, transmission between clinician and patient or patient and clinician. Although there were cases I know uh, across the provinces where there were uh, new cases of uh, COVID in clinics, uh, but they were not uh, tracked to be patient to clinician or clinician to patient. So therefore it didn't affect any um, any guidelines with regards to how dental treatment should be conducted. So at least that's kind of a bright note in in this uh, time. Yeah, no, absolutely. I kind of want to go back a little bit, Alex. I'm very curious to know uh, what brought you into the dental industry um, and and where you are today with Maxim Dent Software. Yeah, so that's a good good question. And I I think the answer is by accident. So... Mm. You know, my my background is business. I've done many management jobs, middle management jobs mm-hmm. uh, back when I was in Israel, starting from managing security projects, manufacturing, logistics, uh, and a little bit of uh, sales management in, in, in retail and wholesale. And when I came to Canada, I was looking for a job to help me take my skills to the next level. And I was mm-hmm. looking for work that would help me incorporate everything I learned from the various jobs and various industries and be able to kind of shine and expand my skills. And I found the job as director of operations in Maxident. So that included, although I've never done anything software or dental, because it was focused on operations, I, I was able to leverage all of my experience and streamline the operations, identify gaps, identify tools that are missing processes, and being able to streamline a lot of what uh, the work entailed outside of the actual coding and development. Mm. So that was really, really uh, beneficial. And through that, I was taking a active role with uh, helping offices identify their gaps and utilizing my skills there. And I've noticed a lot of trends. Well, first of all, dentists that are owners of business usually do not have uh, nor the knowledge, you know, schooling, education, nor the experience in management or ownership, which are kind of different things. Mm -hmm. And a lot of their struggles are sourced from the fact that they just want to do dentistry and provide patient care. And that contributes to their stress. It contributes to stress of their employees. Um, And the other thing I noticed, which which is why I launched the Dental Office Managers Association, is that I noticed there is no framework for professionalism for the administrative roles in the dental clinic. 
Mm. Uh, specifically for managers who needs to manage the office and be kind of an operations manager. Mm -hmm. uh, there is no education. There's no certification. There is nothing. Uh, and and there, there are no standards. That was the thing that was bothering me most because every clinician, they have their professional conduct. They have standards. They, have, they need to be certified. They need to keep going through some continuous education. And none of that existed for the administrative staff. Mm -hmm. And this is what I wanted to change. So I looked at what was available in Canada. I looked at the association that you guys have uh, south of the border, uh, which has grown substantially. And I took a little bit of a different spin on it uh, with regards to creating some of the standards and not just being a professional association for just the you know, community side of it but also creating standards to make sure that when a dentist owner or an office manager are looking for staff, they are able to rely on that certification to mean that the individual knows some of the things, some of the basic things in what their role entails. Mm -hmm. So that brought me into dental. And then after a few years, there was a change of ownership. I was offered the role of CEO. And then I said, okay, I'm ready to take it on. And you know, as, as middle management and, and people who, you know, have been in middle management positions before they've gone into entrepreneurship, they know that a lot of times it's very easy for us to just blame upper management for changes <laughs> that are not done. Right. And I used to I used to do that as well. There were things that are just too big for me to address or not worth the fight. Mm. And when I took the role of CEO, I, I told myself, you know, now all of these things you wanted to fix and you couldn't because of upper management or, or other external reasons. Now it's time to take a really good look at all of it and start resolving them in a systemic way. So. Yeah. The first thing I, uh, in, in what you shared today, and thank you for taking the time to do that is, um, you know, it's very often that people who want to get into entrepreneurship, they have a talent, you know, they just want to do what they're really good at. In this, in this case, you know, dentists just want to be dentists, but they don't have that business um, savviness along with it. And so it sounds like you help, you know, fill in that gap for them to say like, Hey, you know, you can keep doing what you're doing. And because we have a company such as ours that can help you, you know, take care of the operation side and even uh, especially help the admins do their job uh, correctly or do it in a way, in a standard way that would make your business, um, most successful. And um, I, I, I'm curious about, so, you know, you, you just mentioned that you transitioned from really middle management to CEO. Um, what do you feel like was maybe the most humbling uh, thing that you learned uh, making that shift, considering that your background was, has mainly been in middle management? Uh, wow. So many things, so many <laughs> things, but, but I'll share a few that are, that are really, really important. So yeah. I think one of the privileges that I had was I um, set to create a purpose, a vision, and some core values for our company. Our companies did, our company didn't have it, although it was in business for you know around forty years at that time. Mm -hmm. So I, I had the privilege of doing that, and you know I, I've done business school. I know all about it. And to me, always, even in middle management, even as an employee, I always thought of it as to be just words on a wall. They didn't mean anything. It was just mm -hmm. the company's way to say, oh, this is how we're awesome. But, you know, when you're in the trenches, you know that a lot of things don't, don't work as well. Mm 
And only when I set to actually do it, because, you know, in all honesty, the way to do it is you Google and you say, okay, how to create a purpose for a company. And then you read a whole bunch of articles. And at a certain point, I said, all of this is fake. Um, the purpose of the company needs to be my personal purpose, because that's the only way that it can have alignment. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I went through the exercises that Simon Sinek offers in, in his book, Start With Why, to uncover my own purpose. Mm-hmm. And once I was able to do that, which is a very intimate and difficult exercise to do, but highly recommended for everyone, especially for entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. it was extremely easy to identify the purpose for the company and especially easy to identify the core values because the core values of the company are the core values of me. One of our core values is have integrity. This mm-hmm. is this is a no-brainer to me because this is how I operate and it's imperative that the company that I lead follows the same. We have a core value that is be curious. Curiosity drives humans to innovation, it drives to outside the box solutions. And unfortunately, in the school system, both in Canada and in the US and across the world, our children are being forced into a frame of not being curious. Even us as mm-hmm. parents mm-hmm. often, or, or more times than none, tell our children to not explore something because it's dangerous. Now, obviously, I'm not encouraging dangerous things that can get them uh, killed or crippled or injured. But our ch- this is how people learn. Mm-hmm. Humans learn from making mistakes because they are, were curious of doing something. And I think that a lot of the challenges that we're seeing with, you know, the millennial generation and all of the, you know, big commotion about them being lazy and whatnot, I think it results, be- it results because they were brought up and, and, and society was trying to diminish their natural sense of curiosity. Mm-hmm. So in, in my job with, with my team members, I'm highly focused on ensuring that they're able to be curious. We have one, be adventurous, try new things. Because mm-hmm. if you try the same things, you'll get same results. We mm-hmm. want better results. So we have to try new things until we get it. So those, those are the things. And I think when you're an entrepreneur, you might be an owner operator right now. Mm-hmm but you're going to put in a lot of hours and grind and hustle and you're going to grow. And at a certain point, you're going to have to bring in a team member. So how do you, how do you communicate to them? What is this company all about? Why should they care? Why should they work with you and not work for the other guy that offers them two bucks more per hour? And I think the core values, the purpose is what communicates that. And if you were able to verbalize it, clearly from the start it's easier to attract not only the right team members but also the right clients Mm -hmm. so that's kind of my thing it was really humbling because i had to do a lot of soul searching and very intimate process of understanding who i am and what's my my purpose is yeah to then take it upon the company and, and and give it that type of a direction 
Yeah. You know, I think that is the the biggest challenge of being an entrepreneur. And I think why maybe some people get a kick out of it is just that, um, that constant uh, practice of introspection and, you know, reevaluating what your values are or reminding yourself what your values or your, you know, your core values are. And so um, I appreciate you sharing that because I think that, you know, on the surface, a business can just kind of look what it is, but the successful ones um, really started inward, you know, with the leadership and, and what you had in mind for your business. I do like how you mentioned that, you know, be curious is part of your values. Um, You know, going back to the school system, you're right. Like, you know, even here in the States, um, we're not taught to necessarily be curious, but to... um, to memorize, you know, to memorize a lot of facts and figures and and whatever. And, uh, you know, I think for myself, like part of why I have been self-employed for the last decade is because like growing up, that just didn't resonate with me, you know, that, you know just memorizing those numbers. And, you know, I, in, in college, um, you know, everyone always joked like the C's get the degrees <laughs> or, you know, just like the, the most minimum uh, grade can get you to graduate. And that was definitely me, <laughs> you know, in college. And, uh, and one thing, I mean, I appreciate college. I appreciate the school system for what it did but I'm glad that I got to a place where I was able to work past that and understand like, oh, I wasn't meant for that model. And I was able to find um, the resources and the books and the education and the mentorship I needed to get to that place. And so, you know, and you sharing your story, I hope that our our entrepreneurs that are listening to the show can be reminded, you know, to look inward and to be introspective. And I mean, I think also given the time of the pandemic, this is especially, (laughs) you know, the time to do it more than ever. And so um, I really appreciate you sharing you know, that, that very vulnerable and intimate side that I think uh, not enough people, especially in business are talking about, because that's, that's what'll make, I think a business sustainable is knowing that there's, you know, a living organism, a human being, you know, with a vision behind it. 100% because it's as soon as we bring in new team, team members to the organization, they become the organization they represent. Mm -hmm. And if they understand what the business is founded on, then it just creates these this consistent experience for for customers, for vendors, for other team members. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also creates continuity. So you know, hopefully, if tomorrow for some reason I'm no lo- longer part of the organization, the organization can continue because same core values and same purpose is in line with the people who work there anyway. So I think that is also important. Like not that I'm planning on on, on leaving, but things happen. Uh, you know, health-wise and everything, especially now with pandemic, everything's uncertain. But it's important to, when you are building a company, to build it in a way that it can run without you. Mm. So I, I think there's a lot of work and then there's a lot of very honest conversations you need to have with team members uh, to make sure you get the right ones that really have the same purpose and mm-hmm. same passion and drive, which is also a, a, a really big uh, me as as a leader, I think it's my job to match people and and their positions with their passion. And what I find is a lot of people are not clear on their passion. So mm. it's also a, a journey to take them on and let them try different things and see what it is that they're passionate about. And what I find is that they don't know a lot about a lot of things. So. You know, sometimes if you go to school because your parents told you to do something in this direction, other times, you know, it's your um, student friends that told you, oh, let's do this together. You you do it for the wrong reasons. And and this is 
one of, of, of my issues with the school system. It doesn't give you enough uh, experience in those future professions. So people can identify what is it that they're passionate about. So that's part of the, uh, of the corporate world. It's our job. So mm -hmm. the, the people who graduate, whether they went to college or they didn't go to college, they come to the workforce and it's the job of the managers, of the leaders most more so, to make sure that they're employed with what it is that they're passionate about. And obviously before you do that, you have to help them actually discover what it is that they're passionate about. Yeah, it's almost uh, like re-educating them, you know, or helping them unlearn what they learned in the school system to be like, okay, like you don't have to, you don't have to memorize things. You don't have to study things. What do you actually want? What do you actually enjoy? What are you actually passionate about? And, uh, you know, I don't hear quite often corporate, you know, corporate companies talking about that. And so I really appreciate that is one of the big values that you try to instill um, with the people you work with is like, know what your passion is, like, because you don't have to be here. Like you, you don't, you know, like you don't have to be there here just because it gives you a paycheck. Like you can be here with a purpose and we want to help you, you know, discover that. And I really, I really admire that of you, Alex, and what you're doing with your company. Thank you. And, and you know, you, you touched upon something really important that, that I, I want to make a comment on. In, in business school, we had uh, whole courses that were dealing with how do you motivate employees? Mm. And me as an employee, I always had the mindset of I'm I'm already working here. I'm being paid, whatever, right. I'm underpaid or paid enough, whatever. I'm already here. I might as well do good work that I can take pride in. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's not, not always the case with employees, uh, especially if they're working in a role that it does not align to their passion. Right. So when when i took on management and early management i made lots of mistakes but it helped me learn and now i make it a, a, a my job to put people in the position they're passionate about because then there is no real need to motivate employees mm. they are able to do work that they love and that gives them enough um, you know positive feedback Mm -hmm. to keep them engaged and to keep them wanting to learn more. Um, you know, obviously there is no job that is going to be 100% of your passion, right. but as long as it's more than 50, you're in, in the good spectrum. So, so that's, that's kind of my role. And I think that's the role of leaders of today and leaders of tomorrow, because otherwise they're going to have a, a workforce that's not engaged. They're going to have high staff turnover today with the company reviews on Glassdoor and something like that. You mm -hmm. can get your company's reputation destroyed by employees mm -hmm. that were just not the right fit. Right. So I think it's just if you do things the right way, uh, good things happen to you. So that's that's kind of what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I think that's a great way to end our conversation today, Alex. Uh, wow, just thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your background and what you do and ultimately your passion, you know, for um, what you do in your company and for the dental industry. Um, and, you know, just my heart goes out to all the dental professionals that really had to make a shift or, um, you know, try to stay afloat, like in, in a time where everyone has to wear masks. <laughs> uh, so again, Alex, thank you again so much for your time. It's been a pleasure having you today. Thanks for having me, Jen. Looking yeah. forward to our next episode. <laughs>
Uh, yes, absolutely. And so once again, this is Alex Zladin, who is the CEO of Maxim Software. You can learn more about him on his website at alexzladin.com. That's A-L-E-X-Z-L-A-T-I-N.com. With that said, thank you so much for joining us and we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Mm-hmm.